Spud Goodman Radio Show. And here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. He calls to you who, the social outcast. Yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready. Trumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, Andar Ola. I am Spud, Spud Goodman. Spud Goodman. Welcome to our world. Uh, we are offering you a brief respite from your daily chores and obligations. You know, or I guess you could just take us along while you fulfill them. Like I wouldn't personally mind if you were, you know, right now as I'm speaking, cleaning the toilet or mowing the lawn. Though, though if you are mowing right now, I, I hope you have a decent pair of earbuds on, as I'd rather not be drowned out by some stupid Briggs and Stratton engine. Uh, all right, then, I, I should probably introduce our show's temporary co-host, Gerald Holcomb. I'm going to grant you a few seconds here to express yourself, given that our show's designated laugher, my aunt Dorothy, is not able to be here. I, I guess she had some friend's baby shower or something to attend. Go ahead and say something. Just make it interesting. I don't think it's going to happen. R- really? Wow. Oh, oh, okay. As Spud just said, my name is Gerald Holcomb, and I am the show's temporary permanent co-host. And I got to say, I am so excited to be here and share in the excitement of what we have planned Look, for. Uh, you, can, you, you can't say any form of the word excited twice in the same sentence. Besides being redundant, it's also lazy on your part. I grant you the opportunity think... to say a few words, and you choose to repeat some of those words? Well, I have to say I'm disappointed in your performance. Very subpar. Yes! Oh, okay. I, I apologize for my repeated use of the word excited. Uh, I'm very sorry. Okay, so uh, can I finish what I wanted to say? Well, it depends. Are you, are you planning to use any more words so carelessly again? If so, then no. I mean, you, you've lost the privilege of expressing yourself on this show. Oh, okay. I got it. So what I wanted to say was I am quite confident that we will be bringing the listeners uh, top shelf entertainment and I will acknowledge that I'm not in possession of a show schedule so I don't know exactly what we have planned right. which is something that I hope is rectified soon yeah well. I but I'm not a security risk to your intellectual properties and it's very hurtful that you don't trust me in this well, what area. can I say I ask. it's just strictly business nothing personal it's not personal Sonny. it's strictly business but I am an ex-Eagle Scout. I'm a deacon at my church, a leader in the community. I feel I can be trusted to keep all show information confidential until given the clearance by you. Yeah, you know, I would like to approve you, but my attorney tells me to continue keeping you out of the loop. You got an attorney? He knows entertainment law really well. I mean, things are kind of slow for him right now. That's all that's all I got to take him on and he or he took me on as a client. He has a lot of spare time. He's ready to sue anybody right now. So, I do what he says. Sorry. Okay. Okay, fine. Well, if I could finish what I was saying though, 
I know that whatever we have on this episode, it will be exciting. And there, there you go again. Now... Any form of that word, excitement, is banned from the rest of the show. Well, so and there is something else that my attorney mentioned. Though I want to get back to that. Yeah. He, he wanted. Okay. Well, here's what he wants. He, he mentioned this to me. He feels I need to establish my brand. You know, both stylistically and legally. In essence, he wants me to trademark myself. You know, make sure that no one can swipe what I do on the show. What you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Yeah, he said I have to write up some kind of description of who Spud Goodman is and stay true to it so it would stand up in a court of law and, you know, should somebody, you know, copy my persona. Well, that is interesting. I didn't know you could legally protect one's persona. Well, that's what he said. Okay, so your attorney is telling you to describe in writing who Spud Goodman is? I mean, can you actually do that? I mean, how would you describe yourself? I don't know. The, this isn't like me doing a personal on you know ad for like OKCupid or ChristianMingle.com. Uh, I'm gonna have to. I'll figure it out. I, uh, I. But first of all, I gotta I gotta identify what the heck my persona is. Right. What makes me different from other radio personalities and, and try to copyright it? Um, I think it'd be actually. I was hoping I could, you know, get some input from our listeners, if possible, as I'm, I'm having a little difficulty describing me. Y- you know, what is my brand? Because branding is really big in the radio business. Who knew, right? Well, I, as your co-host and close friend, I might add, could help you well, with... Uh, excuse me. Work associate would be a much more accurate term, but, but go ahead. Well, I have excellent writing skills and would be more than happy to sit down with you to do this. Uh, when do you need it done by? Well, tomorrow, actually. Tomorrow. I'm meeting with him at noon at McDonald's. It's a working lunch. you know. But for an attorney, he's really cheap as he's always ordering off that dollar menu. I'll have a hamburger, for which I will gladly pay you Tuesday. You think he could afford to step it up a little bit. But oh, anyway, yeah. I-, I would be willing to listen to... To anything you have to say, do you, you can give me some input. I'm actually asking you. Can you believe it? Do, do you have a like a printer at home? That's number one, though. Before I ask you anything, do you yeah, have a yeah, yeah, I've got a printer. All right, then. Then you can be involved. Maybe you know we can write some notes down and you know take some input from the listeners, and you okay. could type it all up, and, and so I so I you know could give it to them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, make two copies, as, as he is a sloppy eater, uh, and we'll probably you know get ketchup or something on the first copy. Okay, well, l- let me play some music right now as I need to pee. So uh, let's begin our music- musical selections with this cut off of the Beastie Boys album, Paul's Boutique. Uh, this was released in 1989. Here is Eggman. Oh, yeah.
This is the Spud Goodman Show. Greetings, beautiful mutants. This is Mark Mother's Bathroom Debo with you on the Spud Goodman Show. Spud, your first guest, Morgan Spector, is good to go. All right. I hope everyone checks out the show on HBO that Morgan stars in, The Plot Against America. You know, I sort of read, you know, the Philip Roth novel it's based on many years ago. I, I haven't seen any of the episodes yet, but the book was great. Okay, now who is plotting against America, and are the authorities aware of this? Russia, if you're listening. It's a TV show, dude. No need for you to call the NSA. But there okay. are some lessons in it that I guess that would sort of pertain to our current political situation in our country and around the world. Uh, the, the book was somewhat alarming, but, you know, a lesson for all of us to learn from. What lesson? Again, is someone plotting something? Oh, shut up. I don't have time to go over this. Jeez, just, just watch the show. You know, I also like Morgan uh, when he was on Homeland, too. He, he's just a really good actor. Just put him through. Okay, here he is. Please welcome actor Morgan Spector. Uh, thank you for coming on our show. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so your new six-part miniseries, The Plot Against America, is airing Monday nights on HBO. Uh, this one has must-see TV, that old tag, all over it, written by the true stable genius of television, David Simon, the man behind the <laughs> corner. That's right, The Wire, Treme, The Deuce, among other projects. So, yeah, it, it was based on the Philip Roth best-selling novel, uh, which, you know, kind of seems to be quite still timely these days. What do you think? The topic... Yeah, I mean, it was written. It was written uh, in, a, in 2004, um, and yeah, there's something about it. It's a, it's a, it's a kind of found text. It has a, it has a strange prescience. Absolutely. Well, with the show's kind of underlying, underlying uh, theme of fascism, light populism, I guess something that currently mm -hmm. seems to be percolating around the world right now. Do you hope that the show, at, at least in our country, you know, sheds some light on the dangers of it? Uh. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think more than anything, I hope I hope people I hope audiences connect to the story of these uh, to the stories of these people, and that they they experience it as um, as a kind of satisfying uh, piece of storytelling and work of art. Um, and yeah, I mean, if if everybody who watched it decided that you know they wanted to uh, you know destroy every last vestige of authoritarianism that ever existed in the world and form a perfect utopian collective society, uh, that would be pretty good, too. Yeah, yeah, all right. Well, when actors work with David Simon, I was curious about this. I would guess there's not much uh, of actors demanding another take with a bit of their own dialogue with him because he's kind of like TV Shakespeare. He'd be kind of tacky, right? Uh, yeah, it would be. And, you know, I, I really expected him to kind of be, uh, you know, um, fairly decisive about his own writing but actually the guy is really not very precious about stuff if you feel uncomfortable he's very approachable um i will say that you know there wasn't much that i ever wanted to change but you know every so often there's just a line that there's nothing wrong with the line itself on the page but uh -huh. for you as an actor it just doesn't doesn't come out of you the right way uh and he as was extremely open to that kind of collaboration all through the whole process i was i was really struck by that 
All right, super. Well, looking back, you graduated from Reed College in Portland, Oregon. For those that are not familiar with it, it's one of those schools that don't exactly have football teams and frat houses. Highly respected academically, but thought to be, you know, a bit non-traditional. Did you enjoy your experience there? Just curious. Yeah, I loved it. I, I, I loved Reed. Reed is a wild and crazy place, but I, 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 I may, I, I love that community there. Yeah, for sure. All right, all right. Well. You played Al Capone's brother, Frank, in the HBO series Boardwalk Empire. How was it working with Terrence Winter, who is another one of those, like, actual stable geniuses with his work on The Sopranos, Vinyl, and among other projects? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that project was, you know, was a a real, um, you know, just to play play a character like Frank Capone. I mean, when you say that that name out loud, it kind of has a certain power to it. Yeah. Um, But the cast on that show, the writing, the directing... Um, every every detail of production design, um, it was a real uh, it, it was it was a real joy. You don't you don't get those kinds of experiences too often, right? Um, well, looking ahead to from that era uh, in season seven of Homeland, you you played Dante Allen, a love interest of Carrie's, but later in the season you were taken out by those darn Russians, suffocation, I think, <laughs> right? So were you bummed when yeah. you picked up the script for that episode? It's a show that I would want to hang around on. Yeah, no, I, I I would have loved to hang around. Um, uh, they called me and and told me that I, I was going to uh, you know they 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 were very very graceful. You don't just pick up the script and go, oh, I guess I die. Uh, no, they they call you and let you know. But and they were they were a little apparently it was sort of touch and go how that story was gonna was gonna was gonna resolve itself. But I think they made I think they made the right decision. It would have been it would have been strange to try to keep that character limping along after what he had uh, after what he'd done. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, on that on that show, does it is is there a lot of input from the intelligence community? Uh, you know, as far as the realism. Factor? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they do a thing every year. They do a kind of uh, CIA camp where they go and they go to Washington and they interview just a, a sort of ton of people who work in government and work in intelligence off the record about kind of what they're what they're thinking about what they're worried about what they see as the kind of threats looking ahead and they try to sort of base um base what they're what they're thinking about in the show on what that community is thinking about so that uh, they can be as as true to life as as possible hmm, all right Spud, was that remark those darn russians a backhanded slap at our current commander-in-chief's close relationship with vladimir putin the russians are our friend nowadays and i'm tired of the mainstream media portraying them as still being our adversary uh morgan just a sec um you know the russians meddled in our past elections are are continuing to do so right now do you do you watch movies at all? I mean, how about like Rocky IV with Igor uh, Drago and what he did to Apollo Creed, or 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 those you know Russian spies on that Americans uh, TV show? And we can't meddle in their elections because they don't hold any real ones. I think the Russian people are very nice, but their leaders are a bunch of gangsters. Again. I think you watch too much CNN and MSNBC. Mr. Putin is highly misunderstood. Yeah, I'm sure John Gotti was nice to some, but he, like Putin, also whacked a bunch of people too. Well, if you believe all those tall tales about Putin, then there's nothing more I can say. Really? Well, that is awesome. Now let me get back to Morgan, if you don't mind. I have returned. Thanks, Spike. Appreciate it. 
Well, I read that you did the the voiceover for the Friday Night Tykes episodes that aired on S- the Esquire Network and later on Netflix. I love that show because mm-hmm. to me it displays like the best and the worst of humanity through through youth sports. Yeah. Again, a great yeah. program. So you have great you have great taste, man. Uh, How did you get hooked up with oh, that you. project? Um. Well, I you know I also do I do a lot of voiceover for the NFL. Um, oh. I do I do I do a show for them called uh, NFL Turning Point. Uh, I do uh, you know they do a thing called NFL uh, NFL Films Presents. I do a bunch of those. Um, so it's a kind of uh, it's a fun little side gig that I do. And so I think I think when they were putting together Friday Night Hikes, they had just heard my heard my football reel and came and uh, came that way. But uh, but yeah, that was that was a fun one. Uh, uh, all right. Well. My- let me hit you with this. Uh, I know you got to get going here. Uh, you you have another HBO series in the works, uh, The Gilded Age. Now the showrunner on this one, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Julian Fellows is is some guy who did a series that I don't know. Maybe some people have heard of it. Downtown or like Downton Abbey. So here's my question: uh, Have you ever worked with like just a, a just graduated film school director or say a relative with a nice video camera making something interesting? <laughs> I mean, come um, on, come on. No, uh, yes, I have done that <laughs> very, very much. So, um, I have worked with a lot of. Uh, I worked certainly worked with first-time directors. Uh, certainly done a lot of a uh, lot of indie stuff, um, and you know that really has its pleasures too. Um, but yeah, it is really it is really nice to be to be able to work uh, with with writers of this caliber. Um, yeah, it is. It's a it's a real pleasure. When, when's that coming out, by the way? Uh, I actually don't know. I'm not sure when that comes out. Um, we're gonna we're gonna start shooting it uh, here pretty soon. Um, but uh, but yeah, I don't think we have a I don't think we have an air date yet. All right. Well, I'm gonna let you go. But let me say once more that your new miniseries, The Plot Against America, airs Monday nights on HBO and can and later can be found on demand in a bunch of places. So hey, we really really appreciate you coming on our show. But I really appreciate you having me. Thank you. There you have it, Mr. Morgan Spector. The program that you are now listening to in English forms part of a series heard in some 30 languages in all regions of the world. Produced in partnership by people from every region, it is presented as an international contribution to a better understanding of... The Spud Goodman Show. Uh, Spud? Yeah? Our show's resident sex therapist, Christine Gregson, is holding for you. Well, put her through. I'm ready for it. All right, here she is. Back to the show, our resident sex therapist, Christine Gregson. Thanks a lot for continuing to do this. You know, it was hard to find a sex therapist willing to come on our show. And I won't lie, until you, everybody turned us down. <laughs> well, as I've said previously, it's my pleasure. I have no idea why my fellow therapists would be hesitant to participate well, on this show. <laughs> I think they were worried about mm-hmm. it impacting their credibility and their, probably their practice. I promise not to do anything that cause any damage to you or your credibility, uh, you know, at least on purpose. No worries. 
So what's on your mind, Spud? Well, I wanted to discuss this thing that, that was suggested in marriage counseling. You know, I uh, I forgot which marriage, uh, but, but, but the therapist, who was a guy, by the way, and totally boring, he put me to sleep a couple times, and that created, you know, one more bad mark I had to deal with. But anyway, the guy said then, my wife and I had maybe hit a wall, you know, that the marriage may have gotten a bit stale and needed a reboot, so to speak. Well, that's a very common situation with married couples. Yeah. What did he suggest you do to well, resolve the problem? He brought up that word role-playing. I, I guess couples do this to put some spice in their love life. I, I told him I was not a good actor. I, I was in a play in the ninth grade. It was it was a, a theater class, and you know I had like a really small role, and I was horrible. I got a, a D for the quarter. It was then that I knew acting was really hard, and I basically sucked at it. Well, my definition of role-playing in a loving relationship doesn't require advanced thespian skills. It just takes two willing people who love and respect each other to take a risk in attempting a new manner of lovemaking. Yeah, but most of my ex-wives didn't really respect me. Is that like a must? Yes. Yes, it is. A lover or spouse must have the respect of their partner if they truly wish to have a satisfying love life. I'm sure you're mistaken on lacking the respect of your previous partners. I don't know. You seem to command respect in your position as a talk show host. Yeah, being a talk show host is a lot easier than being a husband or boyfriend. Uh, But anyway, I I was thinking that the next time I get involved with a woman, I will try and be open to new things, and that might involve role-playing. That's what I'm getting at. Can one take Mm -hmm. a minor role and have their partner be the star in the fantasy? I could pull off like a cameo or walk-on role and be totally fine if my partner had all the lines and major performance duties. Well, that would depend on the generosity of your partner. Really? No one wants to be the only one putting in the effort. You know, giving, but not receiving. Yeah, I figured that was where I've gone wrong. You know, probably all the way back you know, to my teenage years. I have to learn how to step up a bit in that area. Could, could you suggest a few roles that, that I could play that would be satisfying to my partner? You know, besides that play I was sort of in, the only role-playing I, I've... I've tried is like cowboys and Indians and a, a couple games of charades in my life so far. Well, it depends on the desires of your partner. Is she a romantic? And well, I'm sorry, I should ask, are you attracted to women? Well, as far as I know, yeah. I mean, women are what I date and marry. Well, so if your partner enjoys romance, you might want to explore the world of medieval characters. Medieval you could play a prince or a knight who comes to her rescue. Maybe set the mood with a nice bottle of wine before your playtime. Yeah. Well, you know, I hate Renaissance fairs. They give me the creeps. <sighs> I mean, could I play something more modern, like maybe a spy or an astronaut? <sighs> of course, of course. If that would excite your partner, you need to ask her to communicate with her to see hmm. what she finds sexy. This well, is so subjective. Uh, Excuse me, Spud. Yes? Well, You know, I don't often share the intimate details of my relationship with my wife, Rachel, but we have found role-playing to be an important part of our romantic life together. Uh... Yeah, yeah. I have on many occasions assumed the role of a prince coming to rescue my damsel in distress. We even have our own names. I'm Prince Eduardo, and she is Princess Lilith. You should definitely try it. Uh, Christine, give me a moment here. Okay. Dude, that is... There's, oh, I don't even know how to 
tell you how disgusting that is. There's no way I'm playing any kind of prince, okay? That That is beyond lame. Oh, I would disagree. Me playing Prince Eduardo has led to many um, satisfying experiences in the boudoir, you know, within the bounds of our marriage. God, boudoir? Yeah. God knows at all times we are married in his eyes, and so we're not real royalty. I think it's boudoir, but you know, I, I think it might be... Boudoir. Whatever. I think it might be better that everyone... Even God be kept in the dark about your disgusting bedroom activities. Just get, continue to keep it on the DL. Oh, now who's the prude? Oh, I plead guilty to that charge with this situation. Now, just let me get back to Christine. You know that this role-playing thing sounds like way too much work. Now that I, we're you know we're kind of getting into it, uh, that guy didn't really detail it out in terms of what was expected. Me. Maybe just forget about me bringing up the topic, you know? I I, I, I bet you got to go. You have clients you probably have yeah. to counsel. Uh, but thanks a lot for speaking with me. Just, yeah, just forget about this whole thing. Well, I enjoyed our conversation, Spud. If you want to further discuss this topic, I'd be open to further exploring it when you think the time is right. I'll uh, talk to you okay. soon. Okay. Uh, no, goodbye. Right. Hey, oh, well, I usually say goodbye because I'm I'm the host. You know, it, it, mm-hmm. it's possible. You know, I might meet someone who I would want to put in all that effort for. So I might take you up on that offer. All right. Until next time, goodbye. And now, now it's now you can say goodbye. Now I can say goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> goodbye. The excitement continues on the Spud Goodman Radio Show following this brief intermission. We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. So getting back to what we were talking about, establishing my brand, you know, the Spud Goodman brand, you know, it's hard to figure this out myself. That's why I would appreciate some assistance from the listeners if possible. Somebody on the board, please play the call-in plug so I don't have to, like, beg for, for callers. Attention, Attention listeners. listeners! Get on the phone and call the Spudline! 253-242-3054! Call the Spudline! Call it! Uh, you know, Spud, I have my spiral notebook ready to go here, and I have, uh, let's see, about... 18, uh, 18 and a half pages left, so I can put lots of ideas down, and I'll write small in case we come up with a lot of items. Uh, could I start things off myself as I have a few things I could add? Look, alternative facts are not facts. I feel like your brand is about being entertaining, but still keeping your distance from others. Distance? Yeah, you know, not really connecting, never making an effort to engage with others you know. I, I hate that... That makes me sound like a dick. You dick! I engage just fine. Well. Come on. N- there's no problem with my engaging skills. 
Yeah, yeah, sure. Some people, you know, get on my nerves and I have to keep my distance. But I I don't want to pull an Alec Baldwin and punch anyone. That's expensive and my and my hands are necessary too in my daily activities. How, how do you go to the bathroom with two hands in a cast? Okay, Spud, they are saying that we we already have a caller on the line. Do you want to take yeah, it? Uh, I just asked if they'd play the call-in plug. Do you think I did that for no reason? Just put the caller through. Caller, are you there? Long-time listener, and uh, oh, wait, uh, I should have used the term somewhat frequent listener. As I look, look, it doesn't matter what kind of listener you are, okay? Uh, do you have something to add here? Yeah, I do. I think your brand's pretty obvious, and I doubt if anybody else in radio is going to rip you off, bud. I mean, very few talk show hosts could be as, well, you know, as unlikable as you are. Unlikable? It's refreshing to hear someone that doesn't care if anybody likes him or not. Well, <laughs> that's a brand that no one else will ever try to copy for sure. Courtney, Chloe. Oh, uh, caller, I would disagree with your description as Spud is liked by some. Yeah, thank uh, you. Yeah. I mean, I know his aunt is quite fond of him, and uh, Trevor, our sound engineer, seems to get along with him okay. Uh, that's ridiculous. A-, a lot of people like me, besides my aunt and Trevor. I mean, I wouldn't be on the damn radio if some people didn't like me. And then you wonder why some people don't like me, folks. <laughs> Well, you know, maybe like isn't the word to use. When I listen to this show, I don't have a visceral feeling of dislike for you as the host, but, you know, I'm conflicted a bit. I enjoy listening to your guests. Most okay. of them All are right. really interesting. You seem to get along much better with oh. celebrities than you do with people you work with. You know, Collar, you might have a point there. I've noticed that over the years, uh, Spud, you, you do seem to bond well with famous people. Well, they're famous. Well, of course I'm going to bond with them. it appears most of them do like you, except for maybe Newt Gingrich. That was an awkward interview. Yeah, he but, was a dick. Yeah, but most do, for instance, uh, like uh, you know, legendary actor Bruce Dern. He sounded like he might invite you over to a barbecue or some other activity. Very or, cool, man. Or that comedian Kathy Griffin, uh, though she was right? very mean to our president, she sure did seem to have positive feelings for you. Yeah. I think she knew I still had her back, you know, after she made that rather unfortunate picture of Trump. But but anyone can do something that later, you know, wasn't too smart. I mean, everybody screws up is what I'm saying. But boy, it was really revealing to see how quickly she was dead to all of her supposed big time talk show host friends. But uh, there have been several guests you had on that I found to be way more interesting than what I thought than I would have thought. Yeah, well, so you're saying my brand is that I'm I'm awesome at interviewing celebrities. You know, I, I like that, and that's something that will look good to my attorney. Well, I'm saying that your guests say stuff that I might not hear on other shows. I don't know if you have much to do with it, but it's enough to make me tune in occasionally. And, and just think how much more entertaining those interviews would be if me, as the co-host, would have the chance to interject and offer my wit and humor. I don't think so. Temporary co-host, and that will never happen. As I've said so many times, two's company and three's a crowd. Uh, It's temporary permanent, and I have never bought into that old two's company, three's a crowd saying. It's just not accurate. You You know, I don't want to come between you guys. I have to put another load into the washing machine. I'm stuck here at the laundromat listening. It helps me kill the time. Let me just let you go, Spud. No, no, I will let you go. I'm the host. I let my guests go first. Yeah, whatever. All right, well, let's just get back to the music, all right? How about this uh, from Hard Girls, a a group from San Jose, California. Here is their tune released in, I believe, 2014, Sign of the Dune. (laughs) 
Radio show. Say, Spud, I think we have your next guest on the line, but I don't know who it is for sure, as I'm not given a schedule, and I forgot who the board said was calling. Look, I really... but I do know who's calling. It's it's an unfortunate, uh, you know, as I've said so many times, you don't have access to such highly classified information. Yeah. But as they say, loose lips sink ships. Yeah, but I don't have loose lips. Can you keep a secret? And I still don't understand what information on the show schedule is so important as to be classified. It, it makes no sense that I'm out of the loop. Well, you remember that time I asked you to promise me you wouldn't tell Chance the intern I took those Twinkies from his backpack? Uh, well, you betrayed my trust. You squealed like a little pig. No one likes a rat. Yeah, I am not a rat, whatever whatever that means. I can be trusted, Spud. You, you can count on me. You know, people lie a lot, so you got to be on your toes. Yeah, I'm sorry, but it is what it is. Now, just put the guest through. I will introduce him. And Corn Pop was a bad dude. Please welcome director, producer, and historian Ken Burns. We really appreciate you spending a few moments with us. Other way around. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, you executive produce a documentary uh, airing on PBS titled Eastlake Meadows, A Public Housing Story. Now, it's a look into a former public housing project in Atlanta, Georgia. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, my daughter, Sarah Burns, and her husband, David McMahon, made it. We've collaborated together on films on Jackie Robinson. We're working on one on Muhammad Ali right now. But this uh-huh. is an amazing story that they've made, an extremely topical uh, to today when in our own economic crisis that's developing yes. the question of housing and, and who deserves it will become even more central to our conversation. Right. Well, you know, the aspect of gentrification is something that has creeped through this country's lower income housing areas for decades. Uh, a good thing for, you know, those looking for lower than market rate housing, but a disaster for those who have to find another place to live. What, what options do low income residents have in the future? 
period. There is no answer to that. What we've got to do is create those options and, and, and take down the barriers that have been there. What you learn from this film is that public housing was a response in the Depression, really, hard, you know, Americans getting through hard times, mm-hmm. to try to take folks, middle-class folks, who'd fallen through the safety net, whatever, there was no safety net, who had fallen through the cracks, and to make housing for them and get on their feet and then get out. But it favored white people who could move to the, to the suburbs with the mortgage deduction uh, credit and fulfill the American dream. What it did was it, it isolated and segregated, in some cases when there wasn't segregation, whole neighborhoods of people of color who were redlined into one district and couldn't budge. And the, the substandard housing that was built, East Lake was built in the early 70s and torn down in the late 90s, but not before it had earned the nickname Little Vietnam because of the horrific uh, conditions uh, there and the violence and, of course, the drug stuff that goes through and the right. crime that happens. Uh, but it's it's not about them. You know, I've made films about the U.S., but also us all my life. And what I've learned is there's no them. When you see the stories of the people who live there and try to make do with so little that they had, it, it's inspirational. The affirmation in the face of adversity, taking this lemon and making lemonade out of it, was it's just it's, a, it's an inspiring story. At the same time, it's a cautionary tale. And, and I've got a scoop for you because... Uh, before PBS announces it, uh, they are preempting all of their Thursday night uh, primetime scheduling to replay earlier work of mine, a kind of Ken Burns history night from oh. here for the foreseeable future. And they'll begin with our series on the Roosevelt, a seven-part series, and follow that with the history of the national parks and follow that with the history of World War II called The War to help bind us together. You know, we these are scary times, and we look to our past to find examples where we've, through shared sacrifice and hard work, gotten through previous hard times. Right. Right. Well, in terms of maybe lighter material that you've worked on, I have to ask you about your your baseball documentary. Uh, You documented the game's iconic figures, but I got to ask you, who did you find to be the all-time goofiest character? There have been so many colorful colorful characters. I'm (laughs) I'm partial to Jim Bowden. Well, I guess my my favorite is the late Yogi Berra. I became friends with him in the last years of his life he was so funny his aphorisms you know he you know we we just got when you get to the fork on the road take it but he said um, if you don't go to their funeral they won't go to yours uh when the wife of the mayor of new york said he looked very uh, cool in his new summer suit yogi said thanks you don't look so hot yourself um i mean he said uh, he asked what he would do if he found a million dollars he said if the guy was poor i'd give it back to him i that- mean just one thing after another. Uh, Dizzy Dean's pretty good, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he wasn't called Dizzy and his brother Daffy for nothing. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, do you see a bright future for baseball in this country? Because other sports seem to be trending oh, I do. more. Good, oh, I good, do. good. I think the quality of the play on the field has been never better. And, um, you know, it's just so sorry. The reason, you know, I, I uh, 10 days ago or so, I released uh, the baseball series to stream for free across all PBS platforms uh, because I realized when they canceled the, the season for all the sports um, or they canceled it for the foreseeable future, let's hope it's not the season, um, that we needed to provide some alternatives. So my 1994 18 and a half hour series baseball takes you from the very beginnings right up to 92, I guess. And then there's we've got our 10th inning that takes you up to 
2010. All right, super. Well, your your last pro your last project, country music, dealt with the origins of the art form. Do, do you think the majority of contemporary country music fans were surprised that the overproduced pop country music that they so love, you know, contemporary stuff that's out now, was born really from hymns, gospel, and the blues? Well, no, I don't think they were surprised, and I think that all throughout country music's history, there's always been a tension between the stuff that sells and the stuff that, that appeals to the heart. And so you'll find as early as, you know, uh, the 40s, people complaining that country music isn't what it used to be, it's gone too pop or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, you know, that's where we got the term, the Nashville sound, that was strings instead of fiddles, or the country politan, really smooth, almost Phil Spector-like wall of sound overproduction. So this is nothing new, but what seeps through are these traditions. They're the songs that are great, you know, uh, Hank Williams, I'm So Lonesome I Could Cry, Johnny Cash, I Still Miss Someone, Almost Anything by Merle Haggard, right. but Mama Tried or Mama's Hungry Eyes, uh, Dolly Parton, Jolene, and I Will Always Love You, uh, Loretta Lynn, uh, not just uh, Coal Miner's Daughter, but Don't Come Home a Drinking with Lovin' on Your Mind. I mean, these songs will last for the Carter family. We can use Will the Circle Be Unbroken, right? That's, right. that's about us taking the hardships of life and realizing that there's a better world by and by. Well, well, well said. Um, as a historian, besides a filmmaker, do you concur with the old saying, history repeats itself? I mean, we may not revisit fads in the past. It does like... not. It never oh, repeats okay. itself. It never has. Okay. Um, nor are we condemned to repeat what we don't remember. Mark Twain is supposed to have said, history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. And there, if he did say that, I'd have to agree with him. What it says is that human nature never changes. So what you see are themes and motifs. Human nature superimposes itself over, you know, events. And so we look between different periods. And I I've basically, when I go out on the hustings promoting a film, which I now can't do, I got to do it by phone. Right. Um, I would start off in saying, what if I told you that I was making a film about this, 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 and I describe things that are completely contemporary but also true to the subject that I've just done. And it's people, minds are blown. And so I think we tend to think that it's repeating, but it never has. Repeating would mean exactly the same thing happened. It doesn't. Ecclesiastes, which is the Old Testament, said, what has been will be again, what has been done will be done again. There's nothing new under the sun, which I think says that human nature doesn't change and that it's got greed, but also generosity. It's got puritanism, but also purience. It's got all of these warring factors, not just between people, but sometimes within the same person. And so I think what we need to do is tell very accurate, very complex histories that understand that no hero is perfect and no villain is all bad. And then you've got the chance for dynamics, because we know this in our own life. You know, if you think a hero's got to be perfect, then it's impossible to raise kids or be married. You know? Yeah, yeah. It just doesn't happen that way. Well, that seems like an appropriate time to end. I really appreciate you adding that. Well, let me say again, the documentary Eastlake Meadows, A Public Housing Story, is available for viewing on the PBS network. We want to thank you so much for coming on our show. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Mr. Ken Burns. Twitter feed. Some people spend all day tending to their Twitter feed. 
I myself have other things that are in need, like worrying about which southern states will again secede, or trying out new recipes with totally legal weed. Even with my ADHD, I also occasionally pick up a pamphlet to read. Some people spend all day tending to their Twitter feed, and some just stare at the sun. But who am I to judge? This is the Spud Goodman Show. What else is there, man? All right, back to the music. Let's play something from Heinz, a band from Madrid, Spain. These women released this tune in 2014. Here is Bamboo.
This is the Spud Goodman Radio Show. My, how time flies. You know, so far, I don't have a lot of notes here about the Spud Goodman brand. But, you know, you don't know we, we could really use a woman's input, too. And, Spud, I'm being told we have a female caller on the line. Should I put her through? A, a woman is calling? You? Yeah. Seriously? That's so hot. Well, absolutely. Put her through. Caller, are you there? Yes, I am. I was listening, and I heard you say you wanted input from people about you and this program. Yeah. I'm a first-time listener. It's the Spud Goodman Show, right? Yes, I am Spud Goodman. And I and, and you know, I am Gerald Holcomb Caller, the co-host, and we are... Temporary so, co-host and... Well, temporary, you know, permanent co-host. And we would really appreciate hearing your feedback, you know, about how you see the program, uh, how you would describe Spud. You know, uh, what do you see as his brand? Well, that's why I'm calling. I'm in marketing, and and branding is what I do professionally. It's a very labor-intensive operation to firmly establish a company or a personality's brand. It's not something that can be accomplished overnight. Yeah, but I kind of need to come up with something by tomorrow around lunchtime, you know, for the meeting with my attorney. You were listening earlier, right? I I hope you you were tuned in from the start of the program. You you aren't one of those station surfers, are you? Please tell me you're not. You you know, like, tune in for 10 seconds, and then if you don't like it, you're off to another station. I hate listeners like that. This this show has no chance to catch on if people only listen for a few seconds. I need you there from the start. If you could just go ahead and make sure you do that from now on, that would be great. Yeah, uh, caller, don't be offended. What what Spud is saying is our program is a bit unique in that it has a beginning, middle, and end. So it's important that listeners tune in from the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't have time to listen to what? Is this a two- or a three-hour show? No, it's only an hour, 60 freaking minutes. Surely you can spare that amount of time. (laughs) Not with my schedule. Like I said, when I did happen upon this show, I heard you were looking for help with branding, and that is what I do. Uh, yeah, caller, even though you've only heard a few minutes of our program, what are your impressions in terms of branding it? Yes, I don't work for free. I would be willing to sit down with you both and discuss what I possibly could do to sharpen the image of this program. It is a comedy show, right? I think this is funny. Is this a joke to you? Uh, well, not really. I mean, we, we are plenty funny enough, but, but it's more like an entertainment magazine program kind of, I don't know, we offer a little bit of everything. See, that's where you're making a big mistake. You cannot brand a product that is a little bit of everything. Well, that's way too broad. Specificity is what you should be aiming for, breaking down your show into one or two points of emphasis. Yeah, you know, I don't enjoy being specific much. It's it's too much work trying to stay on point all the time. Then you will continue to be what I'm taking to be a small, little boutique radio program that appeals to just a handful boutique. of listeners. Oh, you know, my wife loves Is that loves a compliment boutique. or a slam? It's a compliment because, uh, listen, caller, call I do get your point. We need to sharpen our focus figure out that one thing we do best and hang our 
hat on that. Shut up. Exactly. That is what I do. Help clients cut through the clutter and establish their identity. As I said, I would be willing to sit down and discuss this further. Uh, I will leave my contact information with your people. Well, well, caller, that's nice of you to offer, but I think I'm good. Thanks for checking out the show. Uh, I got to go. Oh, did you did you hang up on her? Yeah, yeah. I mean, she was starting to remind me of our executive producer. You know, I, I started having flashbacks from staff meetings. Oh. You know, you you sat in them. You know, me being bugged about being more professional. You know, and about that kind of stuff. It's just it's just way over my head. I can handle things. I'm smart. So. Do you have enough notes? You gotta have something there to type up. As they're telling me, I'm supposed to wrap things up now. Yeah, yeah I know. There's not much here. Oh, come on! Really. There's got to be enough. Well, we could have used what that caller was willing to provide, but you know what? I'll type up what I have. But it, it, listen, it's not going to be much. Well, it, it'll work. My attorney is kind of ADHD, especially when he's eating. I bet he'll be fine with whatever we come up with. All right. So just let me sign off now. Um, I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. So we'll leave you with this classic from Weird Al Yankovic, uh, one of our favorite guests here on the show. Here is One More Minute. I'd rather slam my finger 
fantasy when I'm trying to say, darling, I'd rather have my blood sucked out by leeches. Shove an ice pick under a toenail or two I'd rather clean all the bathrooms in Grand Central Station With my tongue than spend one more minute with you Yes, I'd rather jump naked on a huge pile of thumbtacks Or stick my nostrils together with crazy glue Swimming pool filled with double-edged razor blades Then spend one more minute with you I'd rather rip my heart right out of my ribcage with my bare hands And then throw it on the floor and stomp on it till I die <laughs> Then spend one more minute The Spud Goodman Show is written and directed by Spud Goodman. Executive producer, Lori Madsen. Producer, David Brenneman. Engineered by Trevor Jastad. Recorded at the facilities of NWCZ Radio and produced at Rosedale Audio Productions. Associate producer, TJ Pite. Video director, Wyatt Young. Production assistants, Brian Martin and Chance Morrison. Original music by Mike Spots and Tom Harmon. On-air talent, Rob McGee, David Deere, Pam McGee, and Tom Nolan. Copyright 2020 Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking. (laughs) 